Peace. Sis Views from the Seven Podcast again. Back, back at to you. back, bike to bike. Um, views from the Seven, man. Spence, uh, YV, yeah. my cheesy. Yeah. Uh, we have a a, a a very um very very special guest. Um, you know I was um I was I was looking you up, man. Macho, you know Macho was like, hey, you know, got this young lady, you know, I, you know, I'm bring on. I gave up though. It's too much. You got too much going. You got too much going on. That's a good thing, but I gave up. I couldn't do it. Um, doctor. Peace, King. <laughs> oh, look, look, look. Oh, 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 he turned up now. I thought he was, yeah. What? You, 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 I thought she was going to be, you know, yes, sir. I like it. I'm with the peace. Okay. Um, doctor. Nicola Mitchell. Peace. Yeah. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you give the rundown. Something you got a lot. Yeah, run it down, Miss Award-winning entrepreneur. You know, author. You know, I don't got the list producer. in front of me. I don't Whoa, got the list in front of me though. But let me try to freestyle Lifetime. real quick. Go ahead. Um, my name is Dr. Nicola Mitchell. I'm the founder of Girls Who Brunch Tour. I'm a nationally award-winning best-selling author. I have 18 books. I've helped over a thousand authors put out their books. From Aaron to follow the basketball player. Omar Tyree, um, the U.S. Dreams Academy. I just did Tamika Scott from Escape Her Cookbook. Um, what else? I have many awards. I'm an executive producer for Lifetime Movie Network. So I have a presidential, the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award. I just got Nicola Mitchell Day last Sunday in Houston. Shout okay. out. Congratulations. <laughs> I got the Dr. Forbes, Black Enterprise. I don't know. I got a lot, but praise God, right? Absolutely. It's, yeah. That's lovely. <laughs> um, I, All from 89106. West Side. West Side. West Side. Yeah. West Side, baby. I, I, uh, you do? She got, she got auntie in here. Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Um, your start. Let's talk about it. Okay. Um. I'm originally from Jamaica. I came here when I was nine years old, and um, I felt very different, right? Because on the West Side, they really didn't know what Jamaican Caribbean people were. Mm -hmm. So they used to mess with me for my accent, for my hair, for my glasses. So I was picked on a lot. I was bullied. Um, how old were you? I was nine years old. Okay. And um, the first time, that's how I became best friends with Stevie. Shout out to Stevie Washington. Um, this girl actually punched me in my glasses, mm. and Stevie slapped her. Uh, <laughs> on the street and we've been friends ever since and shout um, out to Stevie shout out to right. Stevie and um, you know you have to be tough they're gonna keep messing with you right yeah, stand your ground so they jumped me when I was pregnant with my daughter oh, wow. and I ended up having to fight each one of them and, and um, I my life was changed in that process because um, with the devil meant for bad God meant for good mm. I mm -hmm. found I met my mentor Dr. William Sullivan um, I should have been tried for with charges and stuff like that, and Dr. Sullivan saved me, and he um, just made me get into the Upper Bound program. Even though I had a baby, he made sure that um, I participated. I had issues with men. I was raped when I was 14 the first time at church, and three times after that. So I had an issue with men. I had an issue with authority, <clears throat> but I was smart as hell, right? So he was like, your oratory is amazing. I didn't know what oratory meant, right? I was like, okay. And he was like, how do you use all these words? And I was like, I, I write. I had the Encyclopedia Britannica, and I actually read every book because I, I didn't go outside because yeah. nobody liked me, Shout right? Out to the <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the Britannica. Yeah. Still, hey, it's 20 volumes. I, got, I, still, I still got mine. That's I did, up. and I used to read, and I used to just come up with words and stories. And he was like, your vocabulary is amazing. So he had me... Um, Reg sign up for oratory sessions, and I start competing like that, and I start writing little competitions. I was your girl in high school. Um, I wrote the poems to your boyfriend, girlfriend. They mm. paid me $5. I was oh, an entrepreneur wow. from back in the day. <laughs> and, you know, it started from there. And it was a joke back then, right? I never thought. I just thought it was extra money yeah. for my baby. And um, I was in a messed up relationship, and um, shout out to him. And <laughs> I graduated from college, and it was a dare to write about it. Because oh, wow. I used to write it down in a yeah. notebook. High-speed chases with girls, um, women in the house, just craziness. And they told me to write about it. 
and I wrote this book, and um, I'm here. So 18 books later, um, I'm an overachiever, so I was competing with, like, Zane and people like that, not mm -hmm. just, like, regular self-published authors. I went on my own national tour mm -hmm. before I even had a book. I had um, the first chapter, a poster-sized copy of the front cover, and um, postcards, and I sold the book for $10, pre-sold them. Wow. And so by the time the book two came, book one came out, they thought in the literary world that I've been out here already. Right. Became a bestseller in 10 months. That's dope marketing. Yeah. Look, man. Baby was thinking. Baby brilliant. Like, <laughs> like she That's said. brilliant marketing. Yeah. Yeah. She ain't even hit the penitentiary. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, the, hey, the love, the penitentiary love knows you going crazy. Yes. Yes. And uh, speaking of that, I used to go in the hood in D.C. and sell outside. On Northeast D.C. with the D.C. book man, the D.C. book diva, I was very shy. And they taught me how to, you know, them, them hood folks like, tell me about this book. I don't yeah. care. I had to learn how to sell it in three sentences. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. those experiences allowed me to be who I am now. So, yeah, I thought about it differently. Now I look at you. Mm. Yeah. Flourishing. Used to be bashful. Now I look at you everywhere. <laughs> With yeah. uh, be before we even get to the movie, with with all you got going on, right, mm -hmm. and um, you know your past of of, of the sexual trauma and the, the bullying, you know the bullying as a kid. How do you push through imposter syndrome with all the winning you're doing? Oh my God! I just had this conversation with my cousin and my aunts. I've been like in this process. I have been really honest with myself and I do struggle from imposter syndrome every time when they gave me the doctorate I was like why do they want to give me a doctorate yeah why you know I to me it doesn't feel like what I'm doing is great um you know when lifetime approached me I remember I was telling Zane um they were they were messaging me on Instagram Facebook like we want to make a movie about your life I'm like is this real and then she's like no that production company is real and I'm like why they want to make a movie about my life She's like, girl, you are in Indianapolis right now with a boot on your foot, taking a baby to homecoming who mama have 14 cases open. Why don't you think they want to make a movie about you? Mm -hmm. But, you know, while you're in it, you feel like this is just work. I'm just being me, right? Mm -hmm. And it is great. And I have to talk to myself. I suffer from seasonal depression sometimes because I get overwhelmed. I feel like I've been in rooms lately with people and things I don't even know what they're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they say... You don't want to be the smartest person in the room, right? Well, my dude, I have not been the smartest yeah. person in some of these rooms right now. And so they're talking about shadow directing and this and that. And we can have you, you just got to shadow direct three movies and you can have your own movie and you can do this. I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? But I'm like, yeah, shadow direct. Yep. Yeah. Take notes in my phone, right? Google this, you know, but I don't know. But it's amazing that I have worked this hard to be thrown into these rooms, right? So now I can learn the process. So I can even teach it to other people mm. Mm -hmm. because what I'm doing is not impossible because I'm getting it. I'm doing it right. What I'm just showing is that hard work, prayer without work is dead. So as long as I've been praying for it, I've been working for it. Of course it's coming. I have to keep reminding myself that when that imposter time come in, like, baby, you've been working, you don't sleep. You do all these things. You go broke sometimes mm -hmm. pouring into your stuff. Right. Of course this was going to happen. And that's how I deal with imposter syndrome. Hey, what is imposter syndrome? I, that's not a term I'm familiar with. Okay, so, macho, imposter syndrome is when you feel like you're not good enough to do these things, when you are faking it till you make it, when people are overselling themselves, you know, like with them car salesmen, they're telling you this car is amazing, but it's really, he's being an imposter. So now that's the syndrome I have for myself. I'm selling myself. I know what I'm doing, but everything that's supposed to come along with it isn't there yet, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm making you think it's there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Got you. And it is there. Now, I got to make myself believe that I deserve it now. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the math. That's how the math be mapping. Get it? We learning today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, uh, you know, we we've talked about it um we've talked about it often. I think our people in general have a problem with worthiness. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Feeling like we are worthy of, you know, the achievements and the goals that we that we crush. I right. went through it recently. 
with all the success that I had with dropping my first comedy special, like I couldn't believe all the love I was getting. But I was like, I give so much love, and I've done it over the years. Right, yeah. right. Just like just being behind people and the kids and the kids starting businesses, and me just sharing posts and just showing love, and I've done it just organically for years. So when it became my season, it kind of overwhelmed. Like, man, why are y'all rocking with me so hard? Right. Because I rock with them just yeah. as hard. Yeah. But I don't really see it because it's just, you know, organic out of the, from the heart. So. And can I add something to that? You have been rocking with me, I don't even know how many years. I don't even remember the first time I met you. <laughs> but I know that yeah, you have always then. supported me. Oh. <laughs> he didn't have and I do always appreciate that because... There's so many. There's people that support you because they really got you, and there's people that's right there supporting you because they're trying to be figure out what you're doing next, right? You have never been that person, so you do deserve all your flowers from the weight loss to I'm your biggest cheerleader. I'll be on there like your fan, like I'm getting money from being your fan. <laughs> I appreciate it, and I, I'm so proud of you. So hey, mutually, I'm I'm equally as proud of you, and it's just. Like you just want to see good people win, right? And that's just what I always felt with you. So I always just wanted to see you win. Like I don't know if you remember Chris Gunther. Mm-hmm. You did an interview with him. Mm-hmm. Like he's a guy I just met on social media, just randomly. I actually roasted him for a good fifteen minutes. He was on the live, just murdered him. And like I just liked him. I'm like, man, I like this young kid tenacity. He wants to interview everybody, and he's just a good dude. So he's one of those people that you know I just met along the way that I just want to see win. And I was proud of him because he was in the, to be a black press in Lifetime's press, we, we had a press junket day mm-hmm. and he was there with Huffington Post and everything else and his mm. podcast was there. That's dope. Was he dressed like a young deacon? He sure was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to see bro suits, man. Yeah. Like going to sell you a Cadillac, man. <laughs> oh, shout out to Chris Gunther, man. Yeah, shout out man. to Chris. Pamphlet Poppy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, why have you got it? So how do you find find balance like with all of your accomplishments and everything and you're pour, constantly pouring into everyone else? How do you pour back into yourself? Well, it is impossible to keep pouring from an empty cup. And mm-hmm. I had to learn that the hard way because I've collapsed a couple of times. Right. So I very much instill self-care for myself. I have a closet that I go in and I pray. I wake up every morning at 430 in the morning. I go and I pray. I meditate. I tell God, thank you for everything. I, I ask him to order my steps. And then, you know, everything is off of a calendar. So I'm working on this at this time. I'm working on this at this time. My aunt may call me and say, hey, let's talk about this. I'm like, hmm, okay, we'll talk about that at, at 3 o'clock because right. I'm working on this in this moment. Yeah. And then I'll turn, I go to the gym. The gym relaxes me. If I don't go to the gym in the morning by 6, my day is bad. Mm-hmm. I have to go to the gym. Because it helps me clear my mind and help me think. Yeah. And um, I, but I do believe in self-care. I get a massage once a week. I get uh, my nails done. I tune things out. When I'm with my family, I'm present. Mm-hmm. I, ha- I journal a lot still. I, I write my ideas and my thoughts down. And I also go to therapy. I know a lot of times black people think going to therapy, one of two things is either under, uh, overrated or underrated. And I think that if you're going to therapy for the right reasons mm-hmm. and allowing what they're t- teaching you to work in your life, then it's beneficial. But I think people go to therapy. Some people go to therapy now because it's the trend right. and talk yeah. about mental health. Mm-hmm. Just to say, you just to say yeah, yeah you're not doing the work. Exactly. And I think if you actually are instilling in your life what you're learning from them, that will allow you to be free Back to your question about the trauma and things like that. I had to forgive everybody and I had to forgive myself because mm-hmm. I used to blame myself for these things happening to me, right? But I learned that through therapy, mm-hmm. you know? So those are the things that I do to find balance. But I do give everything is undivided attention in that moment. I have to, or I'm going to collapse because right. I used to. I used to like, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Oh, she need me to do this. Oh, I got to write a resume for him because he asked me. Like, no, I can't. And I, and, it's, and I had to learn how to say no. That was the other thing, too. And it's not a bad thing to say no. I can't. I can't help you not in this season. I can help you with certain things, but I can't do it for you. I used to be the one, because of all the insecurities and the things I went through when I was a kid, 
I didn't want you to be mad at me. Mm -hmm. So I took on everybody's burdens, everybody's issues, everybody's things because I didn't want Macho to be mad at me because he's my friend or whatever. Nah, nah, bro. Nah, sis. I I don't need no friends. In this moment, I just need me because me is the only thing that's going to get me to the next level. Mm. That's the ugly side of self-care. Yeah. Everybody preach that. You know, you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. But will that apply when I have to tell you no? Right. That's the ugly side of self It's hard. You know what I mean? Like, I, (laughs) you know, I I often say um, I have a very love-hate relationship with therapy. I'll go. I'll stop going. I'll think about going. I don't want to go. I think dealing with, dealing with things that truly affected you in a terrible way Mm -hmm. is very hard when you have to face them. You have to talk about them, especially when it is something done to you. Right. I, at my age, um, maybe I'll, you know, with wisdom and in time, I'll, I'll, um, I'll start thinking differently. But you know, with going to therapy, the thing that I have an issue with is forgiveness. Hmm. I don't. I don't. I won't say I don't believe in it. But I don't think I could get there. It's more of a content thing. We are content. I'm content with the way things are. But I don't know if I could ever truly forgive. Especially when it's things that have been done to me as a person. Okay. So I go, I take things day by day and I'm okay with the way things are. But I don't know if if ever faced with the situations that I faced that I could ever truly forgive. Is that in any instance? Yeah. Or? I saw my question was going to be. Oh. Uh, ever forgive people? Or is there a degree? You just choose violence all the time. Yeah, do they got like <laughs> people commit misdemeanors or felonies in your life? I, because I feel like for, class A. I feel like for one to I feel like for one to to truly forgive, uh-huh. right? I think you can forgive for things that aren't that bad. They're bad, but they're not traumatic. I think for traumatic situations, can you forgive if you never truly forget? So, forgiving, not necessarily mean we're going to be back cool, we're going to be out tomorrow, none of that. Forgiving is that you are making peace with it within yourself. It ain't got nothing to do with them. So you don't have to like them. You don't have to care about them. You're just making peace with that in yourself. So that's the forgiveness. So you forgive them. You you did that to me. You slapped me. You muffed me. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I accept it. I'm not going to hold up because that that anger or whatever it is, that's what make us as black people die. That's mm-hmm. what make the stress be here because we're holding on this. I, you ain't worth that. When you look at it in that mm-hmm. nature, you're not worth me passing out because I'm holding any kind of anger to you. You're not worth that. So that's what that forgiveness means, bro. We good, bro. <laughs> what up, my dude? You know what I'm saying? That's that's how I look at it. I'm not, but I ain't messing with you. I don't yeah. rock with you. I ain't giving you the same right. stuff I gave you, but I ain't, hey, baby, what's up? Because they want you to be mad. They want you not to talk to them so they can be mad at you. Like, it's justification for what they did. Mm. Right. And I always look at yeah. forgiveness like getting them, evicting them. Because, you yeah. know, when you don't forgive somebody, they're just basically living in your head yeah. rent-free. So, like... I've had to go through some situations where I had to forgive somebody. And I knew, I truly knew I forgave when I wanted them, like I wanted to see them do well. Right. That was the true marker. Like, okay, I actually forgave them. I want to see them do well. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Maybe yeah. I'll get there one day. Maybe not. I think it, it, it's much easier said than done. Absolutely. Because sometimes when it when you get down to the, the grid of it, you know, it's like, it's a very sobering uh, moment when you, you have to face the fact that this actually happened to me. Like right. you, yeah. you did this to me. It hurt me in this way. You can't just uh, pack it away. Right. You know, like you're actually confronting it. And when you do that, that's like opening up a sore all over again. Yeah. yeah. But in order to get to the other side, you have to, you yeah. have to open it back mm-hmm. up. So and I think you can... yo, I think sometimes your heart got to change. Yeah. Your heart definitely got to change. Like say if it's a relationship situation, and it went wrong. 
you may not be able to forget that person until you feel better and maybe you find somebody else and move on. Mm-hmm. Now you're like, okay, I got this whole field in my heart. Now I could forgive this person and move forward. Sometimes your heart just has to change. I ain't blocking no ex. I want y'all to see all this coming. Mm. I ain't of blocking you to would. all my exes out would. there. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Queen shining. So, okay. Since we're on, we're on forgiveness right now. Um, with everything that's been going on with you, what is your relationship with the church? Oh, I have a strong relationship with God. Mm. Not necessarily the church. I um, I go to church when I want to. I'm, I'm A lot of times it's off of the phone, watching videos and stuff. Hmm. But I have an amazing relationship with God. It's okay. I had to like realize like that first time that mm. trauma was the worst thing. And that rape, I feel like because I was in a place that I was taking my nieces and nephews to church. Mm. I I this was my safe space because everything that was going on and it was taken from me. So mm. I so I let him take that from me for so long. But God is amazing. God did not do that. That was man. And so my relationship with God is God. I think sometimes people put too much um, emphasis into their pastor and like and start worshiping him as God mm-hmm. and, uh, and the men and women of the church. So I, I am very spiritual. Like I said before, I pray every day. I mm-hmm. talk to God. I will sit here and pray for you if you tell me you have a bad day. Yeah. I have people so. that call me all day and have me pray for them. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to that building sometimes. I, I I don't know. Like, it's really hard to explain, but I've always made sure that I had that relationship. And my children mm-hmm. had that relationship with God. Like, true love, I went to that church after. I started off there, and I don't even—like, I was just talking to the pastor yesterday. It's like, I don't even remember how I ended up getting to that other church where I was violated at. Because I only went there for a short period of time. And I went back to True Love and I was preparing them that if, when y'all see this scene, because it's a scene in the movie about me being raped in church, it did not happen in True Love. And I I gave them that. And and I was like, but True Love saved me. Because of the love that I got at True Love allowed me to be able to have that love with God after. Because I was mad at him too at that time. I was mad at everybody. I thought something was wrong with me. And that's being honest. Oh, the true love, man. I think true love was the, the bowling alley back in the day. <laughs> I, think, I think it was the bowl. Was it bowling alley? How long you been in true love? How long you been here? That wasn't the bowling alley? Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, one On of the churches used to be a bowling alley back in the day during during the, the, west, the west side heyday. Oh, uh, maybe. I thought it was true, I thought it was true. I can see it by the way it's shaped. My ass. Still got that glow in the dark carpet. (laughs) 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 Um, It might be. No, I'm an ass because when I read my grandmother's obituary, it said something about the pastor being, she was was with him at the other church and he started, Reverend Wilson Mm. started True Love. So I don't, it may have been. If it was, it was probably a cheap building. <laughs> hey, you know. Um, well, you want to get into the movie? Talk to us. What's, what? How did this come about? How did it go from writing? You writing books because you got you got a few on your mm-hmm. you got a few under your belt. How did it come from the writing books literature to now we own? I didn't write a script. I did, they had to convince me to tell the story. Mm. They found me from a Reader's Digest article. Wow. I won the L'Oreal Paris Women of Worth Award in 2019. And I remember they were like, what media outlets do you want to be interviewed on? Right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, The Breakfast Club, Roland yeah. Martin. And they was like, nah, sis, you on Reader's Digest. I was offended, bruh. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Reader's Digest? That's old white people. Like, what are you talking about? Like, nobody for me is going to be reading Reader's Digest. But yeah. I did it. I followed, I listened to them. And they, you know, God had this already ordained. Because that article in 2019 that was written about me, I spoke so highly about my mentor that they did a second article about me and Dr. Sullivan. And then in 2021, they refreshed the article. Like they ran it like it was new. Mm. And the wow. producer from Lifetime 
was looking for content. That's where she find her stories from. Mm, She's the goat. God. Shout out to Barbara Fisher. She's the goat. So she actually just sits there and look at things and pull things. And she does one inspirational piece a year. So the, her production team does all their thrillers and Christmas stories. And they do one inspirational piece. And so my movie was an inspirational piece. They found me in 2021. And she was like, no, we want to do a movie about it. I'm like, girl, I... Don't want to talk about that yeah. that yeah. to that magnitude, right? And I had to. She had to make me comfortable with it, and um, the whole process been, process have been amazing. Like I did not think it could be this easy because as a writer, I think you have to pitch it. You got to do this. You got to do that. Readers Digest article, bro. Mm. So for everybody that's out here that's working, just continue to work because you don't know who's watching you. That was in 2019, 2021, and then L'Oreal Paris is also sponsoring all the, the, the birch. There's 300 bags at my mom's house right now, my godmother's house, um, that they sent stuffed with personal letters and stuff. You know, they send bags to every city, right? So you see how that just rewound? Like, that's, that's so dope. And they yeah. sponsor every city I go to, and I'm on a 23-city tour. Joshua's. Oh, I mean, back home, huh? And back home. Back home. <laughs> you're at the, uh, the Westside, right? West Side, yeah, man. that was Shout my very out, first man. job. That was my very first job. Full I worked circle. in the library. It all comes wow. full circle. Across the street from where I grew up, I used to walk past that library every day, going to Jimmy's and Mario. Jimmy's before Mario's was mm-hmm. Jimmy's. That's how long ago I was here. <laughs> Shout out, man. Yeah. Man. So what made you want to start the girls who like what like the girls who brunch tour? How did that start? I was in a very bad place. My um, mother had just died. I was six months pregnant, six and a half months pregnant, and I lost my son. And my mom died like two weeks later. So I was in a super messed up place. And then I don't know if you guys remember, my goddaughter was murdered. Um, Jade Morris, her stepmother, stabbed her um, forty times. It made national news. Um, that happened here. And so Brenda had was um, pleading guilty. So, you know, when they plead guilty, you have to um, tell the story of what you did to take the guilty plea. So they flew me back in because when her mother went to 10 years ago, 2012, well, this many, many more years than that. But at that time in 2012, she had went to the police station walked around the corner to the police station and said her daughter is missing. They never even made a missing person report for her. So it wasn't until author Nicola Mitchell's goddaughter is missing that it became national news. Shout out to Black and Missing Foundation. They they made it national news and whatever. And so with that process, now I had to come for everything. So mind you, my mama just died. My baby just died. And I got to fly back here, listen to this lady, say what she did, and then she recounted it. But I was booked a year ahead to speak at an event in Charleston, South Carolina. I almost didn't go. I legit left Las Vegas and went to Charleston. So the state of mind that I was in was really jacked up. And I got there. My sister made me go. And I got there, and there was this group of girls that was in there. They never seen black authors in a store, in a bookstore. They never seen a black female author. And then, you know, there's Starbucks in there. And I was the youngest author out of the five of us that was on the panel stuff. So, you know, I befriended them. They didn't even know pizza came in a box because they, they didn't know what Starbucks was. Mm. They didn't want anything from there. So yeah. I'm going to get y'all some pizza. And then when, when the little girl's like, how are you going to get the pizza? And I was explaining they deliver it in the box. She did not know pizza came in the box. And that was like 2016. So I was like, okay. I'm from Jamaica. I can understand that from a third world country, not from the United States of America present day. So um, they didn't sit well with me. I came back to Atlanta and I was talking to my sister and I was like, Nene, I got to do something for these girls. I don't know what I'm doing. So the book club that brought me, I called them. Shout out to Divas Read Book Tour Retreat because they were like, oh, well, come back here. There's a event on a Saturday. So I went out there. We went met for breakfast. They were asking me what I want to do. I'm like, I don't know. On that Saturday at that event, I met the superintendent of the school district. I met um, a principal of a school. I met the uh, the uh, person who ran the community center. They were all across the street from each other. And they gave me everything. I didn't even have a name. 
I was freestyling what my book launches were. I was like, well, it's going to be panels and mm. food and performance. I was freestyling. I didn't know. They gave me everything. So I had to do it. Yeah. So I used my marketing skills from being a blogger. Um, and uh, I had uh, bought some stock photos of girls having fun and just did it myself and just marketed that. So by the time we did the first city, and I said, we named it Girls Who Brunch. Because everybody was brunching at that time, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, that's catchy, it's cute. I didn't just want it to be black girls who brunch. I wanted it to be girls who brunch because I wanted it to be for all girls because it was so yeah. many different demographics of girls. And um, by the time we had the first one, there was 250 girls there. Dang. I received a proclamation from the, the mayor's office in Charleston. And I had nine other cities confirmed by the wow. time I had the first one. So I thought I had control of it. I was just going to have two, three cities, the Vegas, of course, Atlanta, and maybe Charleston. I had a whole tour. And now that tour has taken over my book tour. So um, it's to, that's where my manager here was like, he left me alone because he's like, I can't represent you and you're doing this for free. And you get paid $5,000 to speak. But you're going to go do this event for some kids and you're not getting paid. But it, it was something in my gut. It was like, it was healing me, right, as I was doing it. You know, I'm being very vulnerable. They'll read my intro, my bio. So like, Forbes, Black Enterprise, this, 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 right? And I'll come out and I'm like, bro, I was raped when I was this age. I had my baby. I had two kids by 19. This, this, this happened to me. By the time the event is midway, when we do the anonymous panel, I get questions from how did you start your business to the speakers to what if my uncle is trying to rape me at nighttime? Mm. These questions are all over the place. And so I, I felt rejuvenated from that. And that healing and that forgiveness mm. that you, we were talking about earlier really amplified in that moment as I started the tour and it just kept progressing. Even when I was diagnosed with cancer, everybody told me to stop. And I was like, no, nah, bro. If I'm going to go, I'm going to go out with a bang. Yeah. And that's where it came from. Wow. Young parenting, how was that? Fun. Fun. <laughs> let, to me, they, uh, they, they, to them, let them tell it. I was so mean. I wasn't, uh. <laughs> I wasn't mean, right? I punished like saying... Why am I going to put you on restriction if your grades are bad? You want to cheer. You want to dance. You got to have a 2.0. Punish yourself. Mm. They like they they were like, you just so sarcastic. I'm like. But it's the truth. It's the yeah, truth, it's though. The truth. <laughs> like, yeah, what you like, want? Yeah, this is what you earned. Shout out to my kids. I got two HBCU, HBCU graduates. One Shout is out. a. Shout out to you. <laughs> she's a CPS worker for the state of Texas. My oldest, my youngest has a salon, and she's an influencer. She just landed a contract with Dove for a year. Mm. Oh. So, like, yeah, my kids are amazing to be a 14-year-old pregnant, 15-year-old, five days after I birthed her mother. That's what's up, man. See, yeah, man, look at God, man. Because, look, man, that don't normally happen. Mm. Young parenting. Yeah. Especially, you know, a parent that has that been through some stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, You know, speaking, to my, speaking for myself, because, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm a little... You know what I'm saying? Kind of messed up in there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, you know, um, I think having kids, having, you know, kids, um, you know, speaking of, you know, OGs and stuff, having kids at a younger age, you know, as you get older, you spend so much of your time double backing. You know what I mean? Trying to rewrite what you were teaching back then. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So it's almost like you double backing. So you don't really, by the time you into this, this, this parental mode, it's like over almost. You know what I mean? That's why I, I, I'm, I know I tweeted it before. I might have said it on this podcast, but I was like, your youngest children will get the best of you as a parent. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Because you done made so You done learned so much. I don't even want to say made mistakes. You've learned so much from the yeah. time you had the first yeah. one to the last one. Like that last one is going to get the best of you as a dad or a mom. For me, now, if my eight-year-old was, he'll be nine now. If my nine-year-old was still here, probably, because I live good now, right? My yeah. daughter said one day, she's like, dang, mama, you, I'm like, baby, you out of my pockets. I ain't paying for tuition. 
it's it's a beautiful thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Louis yeah. Bells and they ain't from the swap meet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm just chilling. I'm yeah, like, okay. I can live. I can live, <laughs> yeah. right? And so she uh she like, mommy, I'm so proud of you. But I think if my son, if Chance was here, yes, he would have an amazing life, right? But I think I did good with them girls too, because even though I was young, I had property young. I had worked two jobs. I got certified in coding young. So I was making $25, $30 an hour at 19, 20 years old. Mm. I, my kids grew up in Summerlin. They had everything that their counterparts had. So they really didn't, they, even though their mama was young, yeah. they don't really, they didn't grow like that. Mm. And I made sure that they had everything that their friends had. And they participated in everything. So I just think it's your mindset. Destiny, shout out to my daughter. She saved my life. Mm. I didn't want her to go through anything I went through. I didn't want her to feel what I felt. So I overly protected her, but I gave her so much game. So she has so much street smarts plus education smart that she is really unstoppable. When you listen, when you look at the little five foot two baby, she be like, yeah. bruh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the eyes start changing yeah. color and she starts saying some stuff, but she's amazing. And I think she has the best of both worlds because I was a young mama. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's up. What, is, what are the profile of the young ladies that attend this uh, brunch? Um, there's girls rescued from the sex trade, girls in foster care, girls in group homes, um, girls who are pregnant. I bring those girls in with girls from better circumstances. Nobody knows your background. Some of my kids um, are celebrities. One of my babies just got a Snapchat uh, talk show. Um, one of my babies is on Mixedish at Arica. Um, that's one of my babies. I mean, there, there, there's no... There's no, when you come in the room, though, you're all on the same even playing field. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows your background. Nobody knows what, what you're coming from unless you're from a facility and you are dressed alike and you can't be photographed because you have to be together, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I am teaching them how to communicate because a lot of times with women, we judge, right? But that's because that's what we were taught. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to break those generational chains and curses with these girls. Like you're coming in. You're not, this is your sister. So they're learning sisterhood almost like a sorority, but their sisters are across the world, right? So I have one baby, the Harvey Foundation, shout out to Steve and Marjorie because they're sponsoring my uh, premiere in, in Atlanta next week. Um, they, I, we were there and um, my, one of my babies, they have won an award, a grant for $5,000. I have a black ballerina in Chicago, Alicia. And Jamila called me, she's a model in Atlanta. When I tell y'all I thought she won it, she was screaming on the phone like she won it. Mm. She was like, my sister won it. My girl Superstar says to the black ballerina. That made me cry because that meant what my mm. job that I've been doing is working. Mm. That, that regardless of who they are and what they are, they support each other. They love each other. They all act the same. And there's no judgment. I have kids sometimes three days out the sex trade there. Mm. Wow. We're not judging nobody. That's dope. Y'all building a real sisterhood over yes, there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a real, like you said, a real a sisterhood. genuine sisterhood. Because, you know, it, it really is, it's not as common as we would like it to be. Right. Because, like you said, you know, we have been taught to be catty. Right. To to be judgmental right. when it comes to other people or to even be, you know, in competition, really. Right. So that right there is, that's a, a beautiful thing. That's beautiful. Didn't yeah. we do an episode called Safe Spaces? Yep. Yeah. So good that them girls have a safe space. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do. So March 31st, we got the premiere. Yeah. Giving Hope, the Nicola Mitchell story starring Tatiana Ali. My baby. So how much involvement did you have in in the process. I'm an executive producer. So did you pick Tatiana Ali? No. But after I met her, I seen why. Who's your first pick? My first pick was Regina Hall and then Megan Good. Because Megan Good is a lifetime actress. Okay. So I was like, okay, it'll probably be Megan. Right? Because I'm, I'm kind of soft. 
um, spoken and things. So I figure her or Regina Hall because I'm, I laugh when I'm in pain or when I'm mm. nervous. So I felt that she can be, hey baby, I felt that she can be bring that comedic relief to it. And so when they brought Tatiana, I was like, hmm, okay. I didn't know. You know, I'm just thinking of her as Ashley. Right. Right. From so what? from um, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh. Yeah, she was oh, Ashley. Yeah, shout out. Yeah. You know, I ain't that, man. I couldn't get that. I, I, that was. That was a real question? That was a real question? You didn't know who she was? Okay. I wasn't a, I wasn't a Fresh Prince guy. Shout out. Okay. Hey. Uh, I mean, we, we'll talk about that off there. Don't she? No, she got a. Uh, she had a song. Yeah, yeah. 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 I gotta she had daydreaming. Yeah. She's some, been producing. Put some respect put on, some respect on, on her, my baby's on her name. Records. <laughs> but I just remembered her from that. So seeing her on Zoom at first, and both of our hair was down, and just looking at each other, I was like, "Oh, she do like me." <laughs> okay, and then she has Caribbean background. Mm-hmm. You know the same. Her parent, her mother's from somewhere really close to my mother. Her father's from a place really close to my father. So yeah. I was like, "Oh, okay, wait a minute, okay." And then just her studying me while we were on the phone, it was weird. I was like, "Okay, so she's moving her hands like me," and she, I didn't even realize Touch I did down. that, bro. <laughs> she was like, "Oh, I blink slowly." Okay, she thank met you. Method actress. Yeah, yeah. And, and so to see her bring it in, I love her because she brought so much integrity to me of me. There was times that she would call me on the phone when I wasn't at set and said she does not like the way this is reading. What would I say in this scene? And, and how she, would you say it? How would you say it? And she is rewriting it with the co-stars in that moment. Mm. Everybody doesn't do that. Everybody doesn't care like that, you know? And even what have she was watching me with my daughter because I brought my daughter too when we uh, we filmed in Canada. And um she was just watching and Alpha, shout out to Alpha, the director, Alpha Nikki. She's a black female. Now that's what I did want and I got a black female director. Mm. And um Alpha had called me on FaceTime at home before I went. She found me on Instagram because they were taking too long to connect us. So she was like, nah, we need to talk. Yeah. She wanted to see my house. Sisters get stuff done. Don't yes. Because yes, do. she wanted that black artwork on the walls. Mm. She, she, they both, between the two of them, they tag teamed it. So you'll see it in the movie. Like, I seen it for the first time at Black Girls Rock. And I cried because it was so beautiful. Because sometimes Lifetime movies with black people, mm-hmm. they're it's a little weird. Yeah, yeah. And they're good, but it's just like, okay, you know, it's a hard ending sometimes, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. No. From the beginning to the end. Super dope. How many times have you seen it? Just that one time. Just the one. I have it. They gave it to me. And I can't watch it. I watch my comedy special about once that's, a week. That's 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 what's up. I got we got uh we got one episode where I really like dived into um, you know, my past and things I've been through, one and done. You couldn't watch. Have your daughters seen it yet? My youngest have. Mm-hmm. And so Tatiana and I were sitting next to each other. We cried the whole time, right? Mm. But my daughter, Diamond, she cried like she got a whooping. Like mm-hmm. she was intense crying. Yeah. And um, for a lot of the times, Diamond was my my host for Girls Who Brunch for the first three years. Um, she did everything with me. So I think for her, she had more sweat equity mm-hmm. in it. And, you know, her seeing me and seeing everything that um, I've went through and even stuff that they didn't see. Because, like, I didn't tell my kids. I had, Well, my oldest knew, but Diamond didn't know I had cancer until the day I had surgery. And oh, wow. when she came in, they just thought I was having a hysterectomy. And um, the doctor, my doctor came in. She's like, you ready to kick the cancer? And Diamond was like, kick the cancer? Oh, and then wow. they took her out. Wow. Talk about dry snitching. <laughs> right. I was like, like after I'm healed, I'm kicking your ass. <laughs> because you um, we're going to court. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the what you what you dealing, I'm real familiar with. You know, yeah. I, um you know, I have a, a a special relationship with um children. Right. Right. Especially those that um, you know, would that be that will be coined at risk. Right. Right. And so that's the thing I do enjoy is that, you know, you know, when I'm out with my family, there are not too many kids that walk past me that don't know who I am. Yes. Right? 
and I and I, I hold that dear. Um, but what I do know is that you know some some of our our babies fall through the cracks, and I want to ask you: Do mm-hmm. you feel or do you think a lot of kids um, are bypassed mm-hmm. because they come or they're in a two parent household? So for me. At risk does not mean you're low income, whatever. At risk means if you're walking to school by yourself. At risk means if you got a cell phone and somebody have access to you, you are at risk because these predators don't care what your financial mm-hmm. background is, who your mom and daddy is. They are getting these kids, trafficking them, everything, everywhere. So it doesn't matter. So any kid is at risk to me, one. So they're not being bypassed. Now, what I do feel sometimes they over-sexualize and they over-criminalize <coughs> our black girls. Mm-hmm. So our black girls, period, no matter what demographic they are, they are the ones that sometimes lose out on things because it's automatic for them to be bad. I have a case in Chicago. We shut down the Grand Hotel and we create uh, a movement. My movement is called Protect Black Girls. And within my movement... Um, I really hone in to those girls who are not protected because I'm looking at this 10 year old baby who was trafficked five times. Yeah. She was in this hotel. The, the, uh, the maid called and said, the police was like, this does not look right. Yeah. Right. The police came, took her home and let him go. Now, the first question is always asked to me is, well, how, what does she look like? She looks like a seven-year-old kid. Let's talk about it. She doesn't have any body, but she's been trafficked. They don't care. So our black girls are the ones who are usually overlooked for things. And they're all, if they get in trouble, it's their fault. They deserve it. And so my movement with Girls Who Brunch and Protect Black Girls is, number one, I protect all girls, but I got to protect black first because I'm black first. Mm, so mm. I'm going to protect black girls first. Number two, though, with Girls Who Brunch, I want them to know that it's okay to be um, a girl. It's okay to be sexy because I'm sexy. I'm not yeah. somebody who's out here that is in here acting like I'm this the church lady that I just pray I'm saved, saved and sanctified. no. I go out, I have fun, but I'm cute. It's a certain way I can carry myself. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And it does not mean I need to or deserve to be violated. Absolutely. And I'm trying to show these girls that it's okay to have both. You can be cute. Smart is cute. I'm a sexy nerd. You see me? I came here with some glasses yeah. on. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I, I, can, I can turn up too. But it's okay. And I think black girls are the ones that people sometimes... It's okay, you know. She's not hurt that bad. Oh, she deserved that. Yeah. I hear so many crazy things, and and my movement is to stop that. I um, I want to you know shout you out um for you your rundown. I really want to shout you out because that's something I hold dear to me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and you know to have all of these um these young ladies you know looking up to you and flourishing you know around you you know in your universe is is amazing. And to see and hear. Um, and what makes it even, you know, what I'm, I'm what I'm happy about or what I'm glad about is, you know, it's a it's often or it's a rarity. You know, when um when our community our community loves to talk about protection. Yeah. But often it's only within our walls. Yeah. And the people that we are close to. Yeah. Everybody else is kind of, you know, but when you start to realize your responsibilities are further than mm-hmm. what's within your walls, that's when we will start moving in the right direction. Yeah. Um, you know, I tell my girls, we're women of integrity. What does that mean, right? Because I have some kids that, like I said before, the one with 14 CPS cases, she's a product of her environment, right? Mm-hmm. So if she's been with a mother that's been manipulative, been doing a lot of things, right, she got those spirits in her. Yeah. So... You want you want to be a girl who brunch. You want to be with me. You want to travel with me. But you got to be a woman of integrity. So what does that mean? You tell me what does that mean. Mm. So are you going to live by that, or are you going to make excuses because it's what it is, right? And so with that, 
I make them, they are accountable. I don't care. And then the thing, too, if you keep getting in trouble, sis, and I done gave you all this time, I got... 38,000 more girls that need me. Yeah. You feel me? So we can, I'm not fit to play with you. So that's the best treatment. Again, back to that sarcasm. I'll be like, okay. Yeah. They'll call me. Guess what? Okay. Girl, they, the baby said she was talking to a therapist about me. She was like, she was just saying, okay. She is so nonchalant. What you want? Yeah. I'm not going to support the effery. You know what I'm saying? Get back on the right page and I got you. And that's usually how they come back around. I think sometimes, too, parents will stop talking to their kids and treat them like they're women, right? I'm not going nowhere. Yeah. I'm not going to shut you out. I'm going to always be here. But we're going to have our levels of that forgiveness thing of how am I going to treat you? Mm -hmm. So do you want to be all in with me? If you want to be all in with me and call me every time or whatever. She was just calling me when I was walking into the door. I'm like, you okay? You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? But... You, but there's a level. You, you have to be a certain breed. And when I say breed of how you're training yourself to be, to have access to me full time. But they all have access. It's like you start at school with an A. Mm -hmm. Okay, you get to a D, you, you, you don't got access to me like that no more. It's a privilege. Oh, I ain't got nothing for you. We're going to put that in the book of Luke. I know, right? Uh, 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 <laughs> You guys got anything for we? So, out of your eighteen books, mm -hmm. do you have do you have a favorite, like one that's like near and dear to your heart that stands out out of all of them? I got a couple. Uh -huh. He's my favorite mistake because we all got a favorite mistake, <laughs> right? We all got a favorite mistake. What was I supposed to do? That's a book. Now that would probably be my total my. All-time favorite. That's one I want to make a movie because I actually go into the jails and do Girls Who Branch. Mm -hmm. And I got these babies out. And um, I just thought I won because I got them out. Yeah. Life still was life in. Mm -hmm. And so when I found out that things were still happening after I got, especially one, out, um, she went back to prostituting and things um, it made me look back and was like, okay, we you got to do make another approach because if they're going home to hell, right? Even though you did this, you got to clean the whole house. Mm -hmm. So it's more than just this event. And, and so that's what the book is about. It's my fictional story. So what happened in the book, some of it happened, but the rest is my mind. Mm -hmm. But I did combine some of the voices of mothers how badly they speak to their daughters, how they are jealous of their daughters, mm -hmm. how they have witnessed things happen to their daughters. And um, I had a mother, I had a child tell her mother in front of me on FaceTime how she was violated. And her mother looked at her, and I wouldn't believe if I wasn't on FaceTime, my mother said, are you going to wash your clothes or not? Jeez. So, Christ. but again, how did she, why did she do that? Because that is what she was taught. So, again, what was she supposed to do? Now, if she goes out and starts stealing or start hoeing or start whatever else, is it really bad if all these things are happening? So, again, I want to humanize my babies. I want you to see what they're going through. So then that protection can be mandatory because sometimes we see a child that is bad, that is fast, that's getting ran trains on them and all these other things. But what brought them there? If we find out what the root of the issue is, then that's how that protection comes. So what was I supposed to do is probably my number one, mm -hmm. but is my most controversial because people are so used to the drama. They want that. And I had a whole book club tell me, this was just too much. I'm like, his life is real though. Yes, yeah. it is. It really is. It's yeah. real. So what we what what is what is she supposed to do? Like answer that. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in that. I I wanna I'm gonna pick that one up because we were we were actually we were just talking about um, you know the relationships between mothers and their children yesterday mm -hmm. actually and how it's really not discussed as often as it should be yeah um, you know how traumatic mothers can be sometimes yeah like, you know that's that's the the person that you know mm -hmm. that births you and they're supposed to be speaking life to, into you but it a lot of relationships are abusive between yeah. the, between the two it's 
it's it's crazy and we don't ever talk about it because it's like you know your mom is there Mm -hmm. and you know with the sometimes with your father being absent it's Mm -hmm. like well at least she's still here yeah so she gets all the praise but in the same breath it's like you're abusing me whether it's physically verbally you know mentally yeah and that sticks with you I think too I spoke at a school and a little girl was talking about her dad and her dad won't let her do anything her dad um just is mean and whatever and I'm like from the era that we came in nobody communicated with us so we don't really know how to communicate because they you know you were just told to deal with it it's okay shut up man up you know go do this so now we are a, a society with these uh, these new kind of kids that want to talk about everything and whatever mm-hmm. right and so if you don't know how to communicate Sometimes we lose that. And it's not like the parents don't care because I'm not going to say they all don't care. But I think sometimes they, um, because they don't know how to communicate with their child, they are losing their child. My, I have right now child suicide. I have a nine-year-old killed herself. That's the youngest one that I have in my program that, that, that made it to die. Um, but she was being bullied. And I talked to in every city, I, we talk, have that bully question, but I always take the mic and I'm like, to the parents. The same way when your homegirl call you and you listen to her talk about her man and your mama call you, whoever else call you, and you can listen and you give your man, whoever, you got to give your child that attention. If your yeah. child is saying that something is going on, you got to give them that attention because they are not as strong as we were. And this this type of bullying is different. I used to get beat up and fought and attacked but I went home and I was done with it these kids get beat up whatever and then they go home now they on Facebook and they talking about them they on Instagram they talking about them so it does never turn off so what do you do if your mama's not listening to you you can't deal with it at school what's the next thing and then they got all these things like discord and stuff like that that's giving them blueprints how to kill themselves yeah I think the, 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 the communication has changed so much um, I, I believe, you know, although today I feel like parents have the least amount of, what's the word I want to say, uh, influence yeah. on a kid today. They have so many avenues to communicate on different levels and it's just a lot of parents don't. They don't, they're not caught up with the times, unfortunately. You know what I mean? It's hard to talk to a parent. It's hard to talk to a kid how we was talked to mm-hmm. in the 90s right. or the 80s. You, you can't talk to them like that no more. But the thing is, I don't think the parents are without the time. These parents are on Facebook and Instagram, too. I think sometimes yeah. that devices is taking up so much of their time that they're sitting there scrolling. And they're not even paying attention to what their child is scrolling on. It, yeah, you, so you have to be intentional. I went out, um, shout out to Suzette. Suzette used to be on Black Ink. She was Caesar's, she's Caesar's ex-girlfriend. We went to dinner on Sunday. And two of her girls are my um, ambassadors. And when we sat at that table, all of them had a device. And she said, Take, put your phones up. We're about to eat dinner. That I'm looking at her. I'm like, come on, sis. <laughs> yeah, that's how I am, man. Yeah. We kicking it. I'm not. Yeah. yeah. And she did that. But everybody's not doing that. Usually at a table, mama got her phone. That yeah. one got her phone. The kid got a phone. They like, mama, look. You know, this is funny. You know, TikTok is running everything. And um, I think if the parents give their child, again, that attention, they the the world would be endless of a possibilities and opportunities. But sometimes too, I have some parents that give their kids too much attention and look at their kids like a brand, mm-hmm. right? That they're still not listening to them on the subjects that they need to listen to them about. Mm. So it's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, uh, you know, the lines are, are blurred these days. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, Shout out to anybody going out there. Shout out to the kids. Shout out to the parents, man. It's a, you know, it's yeah. it's like luck these days. You know what I mean? I know some, I know some great parents that you know, tragic things have happened to them. I know some terrible parents that that's winning. You know, yeah. it's uh, yeah, the you know life. the lines have, you yeah, know. there's life. There's life be lifing. Y'all did y'all see the uh, video of the 
the lady that she heard her son was clowning in school, and she went to the school dressed like a clown, and she followed him around, and she's got her, her video, like she's recording video, like yeah. she's dressed as a clown. Just, yeah. She embarrassing him. This is his punishment for acting up in school. And I asked on the post, I said, why isn't this considered bullying? Because it is. Because that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. It is. That's exactly what Dude it is. Dude gonna respond. First of all, that's her child, and 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 she came to whoop his ass because because today it's all soft out here. You must don't have kids, clown. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh it's, my uh, gosh. You know. But and you know, in in situations like that, the parents they're seeking like they're viral. Doing that. Yeah, they're trying to go viral. Yes. So it's like, are you really here to? Punish your son for acting out, or are you here for your viral moment? Yeah, probably more the latter. But that's yeah. the era. That's the era we in, though. You yeah, know, we we're, we more of um, we trying to record the moment instead of being in the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. And so it's 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 tough when you know everything you're doing is to be seen. Yeah, you know? and that unfortunately that includes uh, parenting. Um, I appreciate you. Um. I know you got a sold. It's a sold out event, bro. It's sold out, uh, hey, y'all. <laughs> it's sold out. I'll I, uh, try to watch from the gym. <laughs> if you want to come, just get there early. That's all I can say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you the time to get, bro. I've got to get people texting me today. I done flew into town. Don't be bullying me. That's bullying. Did you just That's say bullying. that? That's bullying. Yeah. Don't be hitting me. But shout out to Boss Man Q. Kid Capri Sun is here. In town, he done flew in to come see it, right? I got all this love from people that I've met along the way that is just here. Shout out to Tatiana Ali. She's she'll be here in the morning. She got babies, so she'll be here in the morning. But yeah, before we let you go, are you rapping? Go ahead. Before we let you go, I just want to know how was it when you met Terry McMillan? How was that moment? (sighs) Terry McMillan, wait to exhale. Man, Stella, look, Stella man. got a groove back. She does. Terry, okay. So, shout out. I'm shouting out to so many people. I got so many people in my network. Yeah, this a, is a game album. <laughs> so, they name dropping. <laughs> shout out to my best friend, Tamika Newhouse. She is the founder of Black Writers Weekend, and she is in her 16th year of Black Writers Weekend. And she brought Terry McMillan in last year. So, I'm in the green room with Terry, me and my daughter. And um, we just chapped it up. She was just like, so she prayed on my daughter mm. she spoke so much life into her she was like how old are you what are you doing you're doing makeup you're doing this da, da, da. and she was just like so cool she gave so much advice it was just a great conversation we was in there for about an hour so she wrote Stella got a group yeah she wrote yeah. all the books she's yeah. the wasn't that about her though wasn't she Stella she, she was Stella yeah, so she was, Stella. she was really the gatekeeper on black people getting big book contracts mm, okay so she was like one of the Google. very first ones yeah. that actually got major, like million dollar deals. My brother Omar Tyree, he's another one. My sister yeah. Zane, she's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they all just went the way and to be able to have them pour into me. Yeah, that's love. And Zane, like, I love her so much. She is like my security. She my agent. She my everything. She's <laughs> she is speaking on my behalf and is to have your person that you idolized now speak about you mm-hmm. so highly. Like, Zane will get here and re- tell you my whole bio. Yeah. That's love. I was way too young uh, reading Addicted. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> way too young. You want to hear a fun fact about Zane? <laughs> she went for five years, not letting anybody know that she was Zane. Uh, I knew that. Five oh. whole years, she didn't want her father who was a pastor who was like a really big famous pastor to know and um she finally said it because people started impersonating her sign up in book signings and things like that really like, mm-hmm. wow wow that's wild wow yeah. wow yeah the nerve that's the crazy. nerve don't come be me <laughs> <laughs> they're like somebody gotta do it i know right hey, so I, I still got a gig man they can impersonate me anyway <laughs> you feel me <laughs> So, Doc, how can everybody connect with you? 
You can follow me on Instagram. My name is MZ underscore Nicola, N-I-C-O-L-A. My website is imnicola.com. You can follow us at Girls Who Brunch Tour. That's girls, G-I-R-L-S, Who Brunch Tour. Um, we are right now in our weekend of giving. We are raising $100,000 from our program. That When you break that down, that's 23 cities. That's $5,000 a city. That would allow me to be able to let girls like we're talking about to come to the event, have a great time. Um, you can sign up to speak. You can sign up to give us in-kind donations. You can sign up to donate. You can sign up to volunteer. But my the key word is sign up. Mm. Sign up. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> All right. Uh. Uh, where my man at? Big Mike. 12 views from the 7, man. Uh, you follow the podcast pages. Uh, Instagram views from the 7. Twitter views from the 7. Well, Instagram views from underscore 7. Mm-hmm. I did it backwards. Yeah. Uh, the TikToks views from the under... Well, there go right there. The TikToks views from the underscore 7. And on Facebook, add views from the 7. Fake views. Views from the 7. Just look up VFP7. Yeah. I said it backwards, man. <laughs> I, I, he ain't have it on the screen. Sorry, we, <laughs> we everywhere. Oh, uh, uh, one more time. Um, where can the people find you at? Um, a is sold out, but you know what I mean. Um, you know you can be like the peasant, like me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we can watch. We can watch from the. You know what I mean? The new basketball court. You feel me? <laughs> I might be outside scalping. <laughs> yeah, he's got some tickets. That's got your tickets said. here. You got tickets. That's what I said. I said, man, I'm going to have somebody stand outside and start charging for these tickets outside. Like, hey. That's dope. How, how was that feel? Did you did you think that you would that fast? We started out in Vegas in a day. Wow. That's crazy. But, A.T., please tell them. How, long, how fast did we sell out in Atlanta? 30 minutes? Woo-hoo-hoo. That's what's up, man. That's you. You know that's how I felt when we did our we did our last event. I was I was nuts. You know what I mean. I still don't know how uh, how we did it, man. But um, peace to you, man. Um, Thank you. This is my um. What's that thing called? My my coming home special. My HBO coming home special. Yeah. Homecoming. Homecoming. <laughs> I heard that. Uh. Okay. Well. Hey. We up out of here. Thank you. Thank you, Macho. Thank you. Peace. Um, Appreciate y'all. We up out of here. Peace. Peace.